Bible there, can you turn with me to Joshua chapter 4? Joshua chapter 4. Um, we recently bought a house. When I say recently, I mean May last year. We finally got into the housing um, market. We'd never been able to buy a house before uh, in our life, and through a series of miracles, we got our first house at age 47, and it's been amazing. And when we got that house, there was a 15-week period between leaving our other house and moving into our current house. For those 15 weeks, we were living in a friend's house with their uh, their married couple with their kid. And so they were just wonderful in creating that space for us to be in there for that period of time. But something really more exciting than the house and everything happened during that time, I found the perfect fishing lure. Uh, um, you, you don't get it. You obviously don't get it. I found the greatest bass fishing lure that that has ever been crafted by the hands of men. And I know that because the guy that sold it to me would not have lied to me. I, I trust him. I trust him. He was, he was only $15 or something like that, but I trust him to the core. He had an honest look about him and he told me, this lure will literally change your life. Now, I didn't believe the change your life bit, but I did think it was a really, really good lure. It looked like uh, some sort of animal that would plop out of a tree and the bass would come and catch it. So what I did is I actually bought two of them because I, I know Daniel loves his fishing too. So I bought two of them and I gave one to Daniel and my one I had. And, and because I'm in this 15-week interim period, uh, I thought what I'm going to have to do is put it somewhere really, really safe. Because I'm not living in my house, you know where I'm going, not living in my house, all my stuff's in a shed uh, and, and, and we don't have a, a place and we're living out of suitcases. So I put it somewhere really, really safe so that I would remember where I put it when I got settled here and found out all the great bass fishing holes that are around here. I could go and get that lure out and just become the bass fishing king of the northern rivers. The unfortunate thing is this, I hit it so well I cannot find the lure to this day. So it's been nearly, we're going on nine, ten months, and I can't find this lure. I hit it so well, I put it down somewhere, and I, here's what I did. I put it down, and I've obviously forgot to remember where I put the lure. Anyone ever do that in life? You forget to remember, maybe not just, I mean, that that's probably doesn't mean much to a lot of you, but let's say, let's imagine you forgot to remember your wife's birthday. The consequences can be different. We can forget certain things, but there are some things in life that we just shouldn't forget. I was with my wife and, and some friends of ours recently, and, and my mate I went to school with, he's, he, he, he thought he'd trap me in front of Jackie. And so he turned around and he made a statement to me, do you know when your anniversary is? Thinking, of course, that he's got me, I'm trapped. What he doesn't realise is that I know when my anniversary is. There's only two things, I, two dates really I remember, my anniversary and my wife's birthday. And you can interpret why that is. I'll leave that up to your imagination. But those two dates, I can tell you them and I will not forget them. So I threw out at him, here's my anniversary, and I hit him. And he just, it was almost like I'd slapped him in the face with a wet fish. He just froze because he knew what was coming. His partner was there and so I said, oh, by the way, When's your anniversary? When did you guys meet? And he had absolutely nothing. And so, of course, I turned the whole thing around and, and he got the death stares and all that stuff that come when you forget that stuff. But some things you can afford to forget. Some things you actually can't afford to forget. Some things it doesn't matter if you don't remember them, but there are some things that you need to remember not to forget. There's a situation and a story here in the Bible, and I want to leave you with that thought. Remember not to forget. Remember not to forget. In Joshua chapter 4, we've got a story where the children of Israel 
and finally crossed over the Jordan River. We all know the story. They came out of Egypt, right? They're in Egypt. They're in bondage. The Jewish nation are slaves to, to the Egyptian pharaoh. And Moses comes on in and, and God uses Moses to set them free. And they come out of Egypt and they find themselves on the edge of a river and Joshua takes them across uh, this river into the promised land. Now when they came out of Egypt, we all know what happened, that Moses got to the edge of a river and the waters parted and uh, Israel walked through through on dry land and they came out the other end. Now, the past didn't just let them go. Of course, the past chases you. Your past isn't going to just let you go. It's going to come after you. And so Pharaoh and his men said, we're going after them. So they got down in the waters in the dry bed and they chased after them. But the beautiful thing is when you read the story, as soon as Israel got out of the water, God turned around and went, "Uh uh-huh, got you exactly where I want you, clicked his fingers and the waters came back over and all of Pharaoh and his armies and his chariots were drowned in that sea. So that thing that was oppressing them and coming after them was actually taken out of the picture by the hand of God, by the power of God. This is a monumental moment in the history of Israel, something that you would think that you would want to remember not to forget. Now here's what happens in Joshua chapter 4. Moses dies and Joshua gets the job now of taking the children of Israel across the river and into the promises of God now. He's going to go across another body of water and take them in to where God wants them to be. And when they're crossing the Jordan in in, uh, chapter 4, it says this. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, so I want you to hear this, God said this, this was a God idea, what I'm about to talk to you about is a God idea, it wasn't Joshua's idea, God actually said to Joshua, this is what I want you to do, God, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood and carry them over and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So in other words, when you're walking through this waterbed, grab some stones. When you get out, I want you to put the stones on the dry ground on the other end. So I want you to have something there, a a point of contact that you can look at to remind you of what's just happened. And he goes on, So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take up a stone on your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people. So in other words, here's what I want you to do. We're going to go across. I want you to take these stones. And I want you to put them on the ground here, on the dry ground. And for future generations, when your children see those stones... And not just your children, but when you see those stones, you can go back to a time when your God showed himself so powerful to you. You can go back in your memory banks to a time where God answered your prayer. You can go back to a time in your memory banks when God revealed himself to you through something he did, something he said, an impression, a thought, a whatever, a gift, a word. You can go back to that thing. And every time you look at that, you'll be reminded of something that God has done for you in the past. So God didn't want Israel as a nation to forget what he had done for them in bringing them out of Egypt. But how many of you know that Israel's story is this cycle? We follow God, we're excited about God, and then what happens? They what? They forget. 
the good things that God has done in the past. Maybe they found themselves in another difficult situation. And instead of looking back to the past and going, well, hang on a second, difficult situation, I'm going to just remind myself over here that God did this and God did that and God can and God will and God wants and so on. And so when I'm standing at the difficult situation, I'm able to go back there and draw from that story, draw from that moment, and then be able to turn back and go, so what have you got? Because I've been through you before and I came out the other end and here's the story and look at these stones that's a reminder that last time I was confronted with this, I made it through. So what makes you think you're that big now that you're going to stop me? The God that got me through back then is the same God that's going to get me through here. Now, if you had to walk through the Jordan, do you think you would have forgot walking on that land and seeing the water piled up by the side of you and seeing a big shark swimming along and waving at it? I don't think so. But apparently, you probably would have, because that's what this entire nation did. They forgot all the good things that God had done for them. Go with me to Joshua, uh, Judges, uh, Judges chapter 8. If we go over Judges chapter 8 real quickly, I'm going to throw a few verses at you this morning. It's a very simple thought that I want to leave here today, and it's this. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget to remember. Judges chapter 8, verse 33 and 34, it says this. Gideon, who was one of the judges of Israel, again, they're down, they're low, they're in a bad period, they've got enemies coming against them, they're hiding, they're, they're, they're fearful. Gideon gets raised up by God, Gideon leads them, great things happen, the nation overcomes their enemies, they're back on the top of the food chain again. And this is what happens, and this is cyclic, you can read the book of Judges, and you'll see this time after time after time after time after time, where they go from the, the mountains, the victory, and bang, they plummet back down again. And they go from a mountaintop victory, and they plummet back down again. Top of the food chain, bottom of the food chain, it's a cycle that these guys go through. I wonder when I'm saying that, if anybody sitting here goes, that sounds a lot like my faith. It goes from the top, I'm full of faith and excited, and then it plummets. And then I'm, I can be dragged back up here again, and then I can plummet. And then I can be back up here, and then I can plummet. See, I don't think God ever intended for us to live with a faith that goes like a yo-yo. Everyone, anyone ever seen a yo-yo? You hold a yo-yo, and you, you flick it down, and it's down, then it's back up, and it's down. I remember the early days of Arise, I used to say that we were like the yo-yo church. One week you'd get 20 people, the next week you'd get three. Then you'd get 20, then you'd get three. Then you'd get 19, then you'd get four. We were like the yo-yo church. And and some people have faith like a yo-yo. It comes up and down, up and down, up and down, depending on what you're confronted with. Wouldn't it be great to break out of the cycle of yo-yo type faith and have a faith that just began to taxi down that runway and started to soar and consistently just kept on going higher and higher and higher? Wouldn't it be great to have faith like that? Faith doesn't have to be determined by what we're going through. It's really determined by how we go through it. That's what determines our faith. And in Judges chapter 8, we got this reminder. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites, watch this, again, prostituted themselves to the Baals. Oh, it's up there. There you go. Prostituted themselves to the Baals. The Baals were false gods, fake gods, demon spirits, whatever you want to call them. They set up Baal Bedeth as their God. And watch this. They did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them. They didn't remember that God had rescued them. Makes you wonder, maybe if they had have remembered, maybe they wouldn't have ended up in this cycle. Maybe if they had have remembered the good things that God had done for them in their journey, in their life, maybe they wouldn't find themselves for generations in this cycle of yo-yo faith, strong with God, weak with God, believe in God, don't believe in God, love God, don't love God, think God can do anything, don't think God can do anything, think God can do whatever he wants, don't think God wants to do anything. And we go through this cycle. 
And it says there that the reason they went through this cycle is this. They did not remember the Lord, that God who had rescued them. They didn't remember that God had rescued them. They didn't remember what God had done. What did God say when they came into the nation? Put the stones there. Why put the stones there? So this won't happen. So you can go back to that moment, look at those stones and go, wow, God is awesome. Wow, my God is powerful. My God can do all things, all the stuff we read about and we get hyped about and we sing about God. My God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. My God, through Christ, I can do all things, all that stuff. God said, I want you to have a marker point for the things I've done. So you can go back to that. And every time you're confronted with those things that want to cause doubt and unbelief and insecurity and fear, I want you to have moments in your life that you can go back to and look at that and go, no, I can get through this because I've been through it before. The same God that got me through there is the same God that can get me through here. And we don't end up being victims and living by feelings. How many of you feel like a Christian when you woke up this morning? Some days I feel like I'm as, I feel like I'm super Christian in the morning. I've got a cape on and a mask and kryptonite couldn't stop me. Other mornings I wake up and I feel like, am I even saved? You know, some days you wake up and you go, good Lord morning. Good morning, Lord. And other ones you wake up and you go, good Lord, it's morning. But I don't live by any of that stuff. I live by faith. I live by faith. I trust God. And for every one of us in this room, God has done stuff in your world. If you have put your faith in Christ, let me tell you this. If you've actually crossed that line of faith and you've surrendered your knee to Jesus, you've repented of your sin, your own way of life, and you've accepted that Jesus' punishment on the cross was not because of anything wrong he did. It was because of you. If you've accepted that he did that for you, then let me tell you this. You might not think you've got lots of things, but there's at least one great thing that God's done for you. Amen? There's at least one great moment that at any time in your life you can go back and say, well, hang on a second, 2,000 years ago. See, it's not Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's Jesus loves me, this I know, because he actually put legs to those words and he physically died on a cross 2,000 years ago. That's how I know. Not because he told me something, because he did something for me. And God did something for Israel. And he said, I don't want you to be in this cycle of yo-yo faith. I don't want it up, down, up, down, up, down. And how are you going to stay out of this cycle of yo-yo faith? Israel, here's how you do it. Remember. He even made them set up something physical, a practical thing, a pile of stones. I don't care what it is, a pile of stones. How many of you have got those things in your house? And when you go to that thing and you look at that thing, it brings back a memory. Anyone? We've all got sentimental things. When you look at that thing in your house, you remember that person. Or you look at that, I can listen to music and when I hear a certain song, I can go straight back to a moment in time. There are trigger points that take us back to the past. Some things in our past we need to let go of. There are some things that we don't want to go back to. There are some things that we need to to remember to forget. But there are other things that we need to, to, to remember not to forget. And we need to hang on to. And there's a difference. And God's saying here, here's what I want you to hang on to. I want you to hang on to all the things that I've done for you. I want you to hang on to the good things that I've done for you. I don't want you to forget those things. Because what God is doing for me right now, I'm going to need that in the future. How many of us are like me with the fishing lure? God does something wonderful, something great. We put it down and we walk away. And then there comes a time later in life where, where, where if you had that lure, you could go, I could go out and I could fish and I could become you know, the next Steve Starling. I could be out there and I could, you know. 
but I've, I've, I've misplaced the lure. I've put it down somewhere and I've lost that lure. What a shame to lose the stories, the testimonies of all the good things that God has done in your life. You know, I, I believe we can't afford to. We need to hang on to them. That's the story of Israel. That's what God's saying here. Don't lose the stories of the great things I've done. Because those stories are some of the things that are going to get you through the next trial. Those stories of my goodness are going to be the thing that gets you through the next battle. Those stories of, of, of how I came through for you, how I loved you, how I revealed myself to you. You're going to need those stories because life's going to come at you again and again and again. And there's this spiritual enemy called the devil. And he's going to come at you again and again and again and again. And part of the plan is to try to drive those memories way out of your memory back so that one day you wake up and you go, was God ever real? Has God actually ever done anything? Has the Lord ever really spoken to me? Has he been there? Was that really him that answered that prayer? I've got a mate of mine who shares a story with me about a guy who was brought up in the church, young man, great guy, walking with the Lord, got to a certain point in life, he decided to turn his back on God. And he went out there and, and made his own life and he was driving trucks. And he was in a truck one day and he was driving down the highway and the truck was in an accident. The truck overturned, caught on fire. And the guy, this guy that was in the truck that had walked away from the Lord, relayed this story to my friend. He said, while I was laying there upside down with flames all around me, he said, I had a picture. I saw Jesus, physically saw Jesus standing. I'm laying upside down like this and there's Jesus outside the window of the truck. And he said, Jesus walked over and he opened the door and he pulled me out of the truck. Flames going on all around me. He said, I didn't get burned or nothing. Jesus walked in and dragged him out. I mean, you would think he would never forget something like that, surely. Guy went into hospital, came out. I don't know how long afterwards, but to this day, last time I spoke to my friend, he's not walking with the Lord anymore. How can you have an encounter like that, an experience like that, and then walk away from God? Have Jesus come to you in the midst of a burning truck, drag you out, and you acknowledge and know who it is, and yet... Well, I guess you can because you can be an entire nation and walk across a dry seabed and forget. If you can have magnitude, some people think I want that big magnitudal moment. If God would do that, I'll never forget. No, you probably would. You probably would. Unless you do something deliberately to remember it. Unless you do something to deliberately keep that memory and keep that, that feeling and keep the knowledge of what happened, why it happened, when it happened and so on. We've got a way, haven't we, of rationalizing stuff. The further we get away from something, the more we rationalize the moment. The more we begin to rationalize what happened, and maybe it wasn't God, and maybe it really was, and, and, and maybe it was this, and maybe I had too much pizza, or maybe the ham wasn't good, or, you know, or we, we rationalize all these things. God wants us to remember. God wants us to remember. Psalm 78, verse 40 to 43 says this. It says, how often they rebelled, speaking of Israel, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the wasteland. Again and again they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. They did not remember his power. There it is again. They didn't remember the great things that God has done. They didn't remember. Here's the thing. Forgetting leads to unbelief. Forgetting leads to unbelief. That's what the story of Israel shows us. Uh, Psalm 106 verse 7. It says, when our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. They did not remember your many kindnesses. How many of you make a deliberate effort to remember the many kindnesses of God to you? How many of you remember, deliberately remember those moments? Because you know that somewhere down the track, I'm probably going to need that. 
Somewhere down the track, that testimony is going to get me through. Somewhere down the track, that testimony of what God did is going to help me find daylight at the other end of a very dark tunnel. It's going to give me the strength I need to come out the other end. Deuteronomy 4 verse 9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that what? You do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. How many blessings of God have faded from your heart? How many miracles have you experienced that have faded from your heart? How many words has God spoken to you that have faded from your heart? How many answers to prayer have you had that have faded from your heart? Because we didn't remember them. Now here's the thing. God said to Israel, when I do these things for you, here's what I want you to do. Grab some stones and I want you to build a big pile of stones. Now, I think if I was to stand here today and say to you, every time God does something for you, I want you to grab a pile of stones and I want you to put a pile of stones everywhere that you go. Um, you would probably, A, think, wow, that's really stupid. B, you wouldn't do it. And then C, somebody would come and kick the pile of stones over anyway and we'd just move on because we don't understand the significance of piles of stones anymore. They're just piles of stones. We'd go and build a rock wall with them. But there is something that we can do. There is something that we can do. How many of you journal? How many of you journal? I think journaling is a great practical thing to remember the stuff that God has done in your life. And what I mean by this is this. Have a book, something. I'm getting very practical here. Have a book or something that you've got at home. You don't have to write copious amounts of stuff in it, but every time God answers a prayer for you, every time God intervenes in your natural world and does something for you, why don't you get a book and why don't you go and take a couple of minutes and just write down, put a date, what the answer to prayer was or what the situation, and just write down what that thing is. You know what, if, imagine if you did that for a year. Imagine if for the rest of 2020, every time God did something for you, you journaled it and you wrote it down. And then imagine the start of 2021. Right at the very beginning of the year, the first thing you did was you got that book out and you flicked back and you looked at all the miracles, the blessings, the words, the things that God had done for you before you allowed them time to fade in your heart. How awesome would that be to have all that stuff recorded? I wonder how many testimonies the church has lost because we just let the glory of God, those great stories, fade in our heart and disappear. Have you noticed something in society? If somebody has a bad experience with God, they don't let it go. They do not let it go. They're the ones that are on current affair. They're the ones that are, that are getting the press. They're the ones that they will come hell or high water. They're going to make as much noise as they can to make sure as many people as possible hear about their negative and bad story. It doesn't matter whether it's true. They're just going to make sure that when they feel like God has not come through for them, everybody's going to know about it. Wouldn't it be a different case? If everybody, when God came through for us, what if we had the same passion, the same intensity, the same desire to hang on to and remember and use for good instead of for bad, but to use for good the testimonies and the stories of what God has done in your life and what God has done in my life? How different do you think the image of the church may be? How much more glory do you think that God may get in the earth if we, instead of just sitting back, keeping it to ourselves and allowing it to fade away over time? What if we held on to those testimonies? What if we were a bit more vocal about our testimonies? What if we shared a bit more about the goodness of God in our world? But it starts by hanging on to it first in your own heart, not letting it fade away, having some mechanism whereby which you can go back and go, hey, this is what God has done. 
Because you're going to find in times in life, that's all you've got. All you've got there to get you through is what happened back then. Because what's happening right now is not enough to get me through. That's why I'm struggling. But if I go back there, I find strength in that moment to pick up my faith here to get me through into the future. That's how it works. That's why God does not want us to forget the good things that he does. Because the good things that he does provide us with the strength that we need to get through into the future. Here's how it works. What were the purpose of the memorial stones? It was very simple. They were there to remind us of what God had done in the past. So we could rekindle faith for the present in order to lay more stones in the future. God doesn't want us to forget the past. I think I've got it up there. Do you want to wake that up for me? I'm not the most techno guy, but I tried to get fancy today and do some PowerPoint stuff for Luke. There we go. What are the purpose of our testimonies? What are the purpose of journaling and memorial stones? It's to remind us of what God has done in the past so we can rekindle faith in the present. When you find yourself going through something, you don't know if you're going to make it. You don't know if you've got the goods. You don't know if God's there. You feel like he's abandoned you. You feel like he doesn't understand. You feel like there's no answer. We go back to the past to rekindle faith in the present so we can make it through that. And every time we make it through that, we lay another stone. So in the future, now I've got another stone that I can go back to to get me through the future, to remind us of what God has done in the past so we can rekindle faith in the present in order to lay more stones for the future. See, I believe God's got more stones for you to lay and he's got more stones for me to lay. But we play our part in that. We can't just sit back and think it's all up to God. Que sera, sera, faith, Doris Day, faith, whatever will be, will be. We play a role in this. He said to Israel, don't forget, do something practical, build some stones, because it's so important that you remember the goodness of God right now. It's so important that you remember what I'm doing for you right now, because you're going to need this to make it through. There's an interesting passage in the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and verse 11. We've all read it a hundred times. You could quote it back to me, those of you that have been around church for a while. It says this, it says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the by the blood of the lamb and the they triumphed over him who's the him it's the devil this is a vision that john had about the 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 consummation of the ages towards the end of time and he says this the church the they he's talking about is the church it's you and me he says they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony in other words they overcame the devil by what god had done in the past on the cross and what god has done in the past in your life Your testimony is what has happened. Your testimony is not what's going to happen in the future. You can only testify to that which has happened. When you go and stand in a a courtroom and you give testimony, you're not testifying of what's going to happen tomorrow. You're testifying of what you have experienced, seen, what has already been. You're testifying of what's already happened. And he's saying here, the way the church overcame the devil is by going back to what Jesus did on the cross, but it didn't stop there. It's also the testimony that you give to all the things that he's done in your life since then. We overcame by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus' death, but we also overcome by every single story and testimony that I have not allowed to fade away in my heart, that I can bring up every time the devil stands in front of me and says, I've got you this time. You're going down this time. You can't be healed. God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't provide your needs. Have a look at the situation you're in. God doesn't care about you. Look at how you're feeling. If he cared, you know, God doesn't think you're special. God doesn't love you. And every time the devil comes at us, we overcome him 
through the words of our testimony. What is that? It's like the memorial stones. Go back to things I've done in the past, use that stuff in the present, and you'll make it through what you're going through now, and you'll have another testimony for next time. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Several years ago, I was in a worship meeting in Townsville. And I'm in this room with about 300 young people. And I remember it clearly because I was going through probably one of the darkest patches of my walk with God. It would have been about 15 years, maybe longer ago. And I'm in this worship meeting in, uh, in, in Townsville. And I'm on my knees and I'm crying. There's 300 people around me and they're all just worshipping. And I'm on my knees crying because I felt so low. I felt like I was, God was so disinterested in me. I felt like the pain I was going through at the time that God had just literally turned his back on me and did not care. And I didn't know why. But you start feeling like that, you start hearing it. Because the devil jumps on that and goes, Righty, I'll support that claim. And I'll give you some more evidence. I'll throw some more things at you. And I was at such a low point, I remember kneeling on the ground. And I remember bawling like a baby. And something happened in that meeting. I don't tell you how I know what happened, but I saw something with my spiritual eyes, whatever, I don't know. While I'm standing here, the back left-hand corner, Jesus walked in the room. I cannot tell you how I know that. I just know that he did. He walked in the room, and here's what he did. He walked in, and he got his eyes above the 300 other people in that room, and he's doing this, looking around, and he's walking through them, and I could tell he was looking for something. And then all of a sudden, his eyes locked on me. And then he just gently walked between everybody, and he walked over to me. And he put his hand on my shoulder. I'll never forget what he said. He put his hands on my shoulder and he said, Alan, you're all right. It wasn't you're all right as in, you know, you're hurting and no, no, you're not really in pain. It was, I felt like I was nothing. And that was Jesus' way of saying to me, God's way of saying to me in that moment, you know what, no, no, you're something. You're mine, you're right. Don't listen to all the lies. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've gone back to that memorial stone. When the devil comes and whispers to me and says, Alan, you got nothing. You're worth nothing. You've got no value. You've got no future. You've got no hope. God, God doesn't love you. You know, I go back to that pile of stones every single time. And I go, you know what? No, that's not true. That's not true. Because he walked into a room about 20 years ago and he told me something. Devil, that's not true. And I used that as a weapon to overcome in that moment. But imagine if I had have just brushed that moment off and not remembered it, not done something to remember that moment, written it down, somehow laid claim to that miracle of God. Because stuff is happening every day of your life where God is coming through for you. And the enemy doesn't want you to remember that stuff and the world doesn't want you to remember that stuff because that's the way we overcome. Through those memorial stones, through those moments, through those things that God does in our life. We were in India one time, and I remember we had no food. And here I am with my wife and kids, and we're in India, and we found ourselves with no food, and there's no ATM machines to get money out. Not that we had any money anyway. It would have come out blank. Before This is before internets and all that stuff. And I remember that Jackie made some rice or something, and I remember we were sitting at a table just looking at rice. And here I am over there in India talking about the God that provides all my needs. While I'm sitting there, we get a knock at the door. And I still remember the story again. I've used this so many times in my life. We get a knock at the door. I go and open up the door. And here's an Indian pastor and his wife. We're there to serve that nation and to, you know, come. And here's this Indian pastor and his wife standing at the door with loads of food. 
They had no idea that we didn't have any money, no idea we didn't have any food. I, I think we'd probably only even had a couple of conversations with them. It wasn't a deep relationship with them or nothing. All of a sudden, here's this Indian couple going, we just feel like the Lord told us to come and to give you food. Now when the devil comes to me and goes, oh, I'm not interested in your needs. You can't, you can't trust God. He's not, he's not going to come through for you. This, this, is the, this one is a little bit outside of God's league. You know what I do? I go back to that memorial stone. And I go, hang on a second, I can be in a third world country and have somebody I barely know who's, who's, who's poorer than 99% of my country hear from God and walk up to my house and give me food for my family. Don't you tell me that God doesn't know my address. Don't you tell me God doesn't know my needs. Don't you tell me that God can't come through to me. Don't you tell me that it's too difficult for God, this one. No, no, no. And with that, I get faith in the present and I overcome that moment. And guess what I do in that? I build another memorial stone and now I've got another story of another time that God's come through. Wouldn't it be great to be able to go back to those memorial stones in all these areas of your life and remember, deliberately remember not to forget the great things God has done. Who would love to live a life like that? Let me tell you something. When you start living like that, you break out of this cycle of faith, up, down, up, down. And here's what I found. The longer you take from the moment God does something, the longer gap you leave between the moment he does something and the moment you build that memorial stone, your brain wants to rationalize it away. Your brain will rationalize it away. So I encourage you, the minute God says that thing to you, the minute God answers that prayer, it comes through for you. Get a journal. I'm encouraging everybody in the life of Arise. Get a journal. Get a notepad and start writing down those little stories. And when you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling like God's not interested and you're feeling like God's not there, you go back to that and you open it up. It's like the children of Israel going back to the water's edge and looking at that memorial. And it's not just for them. It was also for them to go, you know what, I'm going to pass these stories on to the next generation. I'm going to show you practically what God looks like when you trust him. I'm going to show you how God comes through for the brokenhearted, show you how God provides your needs. I'm going to show you how God gives you value. I'm going to show you how God cares for you. I'm going to show you how God lifts you up out of miry clay because I've got my stories. Wouldn't it be great to be a church gathering full of people that respected enough the handiwork of God in our lives, that we didn't just allow those things to fade from our heart and continue to allow the public narrative of God to be, he doesn't, he can't, he won't. When we're sitting here all testifying, no, 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 he can, he has, he does. I'd love to be in that community. I'd love to be a part of a community of faith where that's the case. Wouldn't it be great? Father, I want to pray, Lord, for each of us here this morning, Lord. God, you, Lord, you've done so many amazing things, Lord. And God, I know there are probably people sitting here right now saying, if, if God would part the Richmond River and let me walk across it, then I'd never forget his goodness. But God, you know humanity enough to know that that person would, because we do. And history has proven it, and our own personal lives prove it, God. So many stories and testimonies and things you've done that we've allowed to fade out of our hearts. So many weapons that you've given us that we've misplaced, that we've put down and we can't find. Father, I pray from this moment on, Lord, I pray from this day on for each person that's here that's listening, that God, you would set off a spark in our heart 
that, God, we would go, we would get a notepad, a journal, a pen, whatever, and that, Lord, we would make a commitment to you, God, if you're going to do something amazing for us, if you're going to answer prayers, God, if you're going to set us free, you're going to heal us, you're going to do things for us, God, then we are going to value those experiences, we're going to value those moments, and we are going to build our own memorial stones, and we're going to do something that we can look back to, we're going to do something so that those stories are not lost, because, God, I'm sure everyone in this room is the same, I'm so sick to death of hearing that, that, that what's going on out there, everybody is so quick to talk about when they feel like you failed them. But where are the voices that want to rejoice, shout and scream when you come through? Lord, let us be a community of those voices. Lord, when you answer our prayers, God, when you bless our marriages, our businesses, our finances, Father, when you bless our children, when you speak to us, when you correct us, God, when you help us do life better, God, when you do miracle after miracle after a miracle, teach us, God, in our own personal way, each person here, how do we, how do we, what is the way that each individual here makes their own little pile of memorial stones so we don't forget the goodness and the awesomeness of God. And Father, I pray for every person here as well, Lord, as we go away this morning. Father, use us to be salt and use us to be light out there in the community, Father. God, use us as we are. Lord, I pray you would bless the businesses represented here. God, I pray you would bless, uh, Father, the, the work that people are doing. Father, I pray you would bless the, the marriages in this place, Father. God, I pray for release of healing upon bodies that need to be healed. God, emotions that need to be healed. Father, minds that need to be healed. God, we, we believe for a healing God. We believe in a miraculous supernatural God. And Lord, I pray that you would just breathe upon those areas of people's lives, Father. And God, you would just continue to do miracle after miracle after miracle. Stir up our faith, Lord. Stir up our faith in this community, Father. And Lord, I just pray a blessing on every one of those kids that have gone out there this morning, God, in Kids Church. Lord, I pray as they leave for the rest of the day that, Lord, you'd be planting seeds in their hearts, seeds of how wonderful you are, how great you are, and how special and beautiful and wonderful each one of those kids are as well. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. That's so... Yeah, it was a half-hearted one. That was like they clap at the Titans home ground, that one. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing to see here. Anyway, let's clap like we're uh, supporting the Tigers. Yeah. Tigers have got a trial match today, so I hope it's televised. Anyway, bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. Don't forget the prayer meeting on Tuesday, men's breakfast on Saturday, and break freeze on Tuesday, and the rest of life is going to happen, and God's going to be with you, and he's going to be a part of it, and he's going to speak to you, and he wants to show you things and do things with you, in you, and through you. Enjoy the journey. We'll catch you next week. Control